My knees were buckling, my head spinning, and mouth bone dry and full of salt and grit. But I wanted to be rid of it. So I slid into a chair, tugging that hateful box to me, and placed a hand on top. Hello, liar. It purred. Hello, I said softly. Will you read me? No. The others didn't say a word, though I felt their confusion shimmering in the room. Only Reese and Amron watched me closely. Open, I said silently. Say please. Please, I said. The box, the book, was silent. Then it said, Like calls to like. Open, I gritted out. Unmade and made, made and unmade. That is the cycle. Like calls to like. I pushed my hand harder, so tired I didn't care about the thoughts tumbling out. The bits and pieces that were a part of and not part of me. Heat and water and ice and light and shadow. Curse breaker. It called to me. And the box clicked open. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the House of Wind Book Club. I'm Hannah. And I'm Amber. This is a fan podcast where we're going to discuss our current book obsession. We're going to break down chapters, characters, themes, and gossip about our theories relevant to the current fantasy land we're exploring. So, just so you know, this podcast will contain spoilers and is explicit, so proceed with caution if that's not your thing. We hope you enjoy being part of our book club. Stay smutty. Well, hello there, and welcome back to the House of Wind Book Club. I'm Hannah. And I'm Amber. And we're so glad that you're here with us. We're excited. Mm. We're excited. This book, I'm just so happy that we get to take the time to actually go through it like this because it's so wonderful. (laughs) It, It is wonderful. And we, so... Right before we actually just started recording, we just got done going on like our big, huge deep dive of Kingdom of Ash, which I am still in the process of reading. Mm-hmm. And Hannah has finished it all. I have. But <clears throat> I actually. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, we're just like trying to like we can see some similarities between specifically these three chapters mm-hmm. and. A lot of the, if you've read that whole, the whole Throne of Glass series, if like the miscommunication that kind of happens in Kingdom of Ash, and we're about to get a little slip into our own miscommunication in the Akatar world too. So buckle up. Which as you guys know by now is my all time favorite trope. We love miscommunication. It's so oh fun. God. Makes me want to bang my head against a wall. <laughs> These people need to go to therapy and learn how to communicate. (laughs) They'd be great. But before we get into that, I want to talk about how exciting or how excited I am for March. So 
there are bookish things happening in March that I have been looking forward to for a very long time. Okay. You've heard me talk about it before. If you haven't read Phantom by Greer Rivers, you need to. Okay. Need it. Because Greer Rivers is coming out with a new retelling of, and it's called Rouge, like Moulin Rouge. But it's a retelling, right? So it's not it's not like the same character arcs. It's it's mm-hmm. her own dark, smutty, at least I think. That's kind of how Phantom is. Like dark, smutty well, retelling of Rouge. That's like her style, right? Yeah. Like oh, I haven't God, read yeah. any of her other books. Doesn't she have like other like sport romance books? I yeah. think she has yeah, she has a couple other ones. But mm-hmm. that comes out on March twenty third. I already have oh. it pre ordered. And yes. that is oh, <laughs> Hannah, that is the Thursday, I believe it's a Thursday before I fly home to go dress shopping. So you're just gonna read it on the plane so the entire I'm way. Binge the shit <laughs> out of that book and hopefully yes. finish it before that weekend actually starts because then I won't have to focus on just wanting to read the book when I'm trying on my wedding dresses. Uh, I'll read it out loud to you, like while you're trying your dresses <laughs> on, and FaceTiming you in front of Sandy and Ben's mom. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, man. So, yeah, there's that. Um, there's also What Lurks Between the Fates. Mm-hmm. That is the third book to uh, What Lies Beyond the Veil. That comes out March 28th. Those are the those are the two books that I'm, like, really, I've really been waiting on for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, on Netflix, Shadow and Bone Season 2 comes out on March 16th. I am. And that is going to be, I'm, I need my Darkling fix. Oh, my God. Yes, the Darkling. That's just Ugh. something I've been. I, yeah, I need it. I've been rewatching it in preparation because it's been a while since I've visited the Grishaverse, and <clears throat> I'm like want to binge reread all of those books. And I'm like, no, I have other books that I need to read <laughs> yeah. that are new that I haven't experienced yet. But that is one of my all time favorite series. If you've never it's read wonderful. those books, you guys go read them yeah and honestly that's so i'm usually the one like so with ya like Mm -hmm. cruel prince right you didn't like i did not like it it's it i just didn't like it but i feel like people would put the shadow and bone series in the same realm as cruel prince because it's not spicy yeah right it's just strict ya but there's something about that world that is so enticing and just the character development is absolutely phenomenal. The that relationships that happen. Oh, yeah. Don't get, don't get me started. They're one of my favorite bookish couples of all time. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, it's good when, when, when you like were crazy about it because I'm definitely more like when it comes to the scale of YA to smut, you mm-hmm. definitely lie way more on the smutty end than I do. Mm-hmm. And I like lie, lie way more on the YA end. Um, like I feel like Akatar is like the perfect, like SJM's books are like the perfect marriage and like from blood and ash, like they're the perfect amount of like fantasy YA and also like adult. Mm-hmm sexual relationships which are fun to read so yeah that's yeah so i think those are perfect series for us to do but yeah. it's the march madness of bookish things and i'm i'm so excited oh my god we're gonna we're just gonna have to make a million posts about all the things we've are looking forward to and reading and enjoying mm-hmm. and watching um <laughs> speaking of reading and enjoying 
Uh, I just finished listening to Kingdom of Ash on Audible. And honestly, listening to that book, the woman who narrates it is incredible. Uh, I just think it just enhanced the magic of the end of the Throne of Glass series for me. And you guys can also experience the magic of this series and thousands of other titles on Audible. And for a free month subscription and a free title when you sign up, you can go to www.audibletrial.com slash House of Wind for your free trial and a free book. Highly suggest doing that. My Audible has been sweating keeping up with all the books I've been listening to. (laughs) And And Kingdom of Ash was like 40-something hours. (laughs) It, yeah. And also... Um, something that I just found. Well, I shouldn't say I found it. Ben found it. So Ben is listening to this book, Court of Mist and Fury. And he found the, um, gosh, I can't remember what it's called. Is it like the theatrical version? I want to say. I think they're called graphic audio books. Graphic we audio books. And it's in, about it. Yeah. And it's in two different sections. So you have to use two credits to get it. Um, but you get the first half of the book, the second half of the book, but it is next level i i'm not kidding when i tell you like it's like all the benefits of watching a movie but you like hear the acting and it's true acting so there is a different voice actor for every single person and the things that and they kind of ad lib a couple things and like the sex scenes are insane i want to get that very badly hamlin's Hamlin's voice. You know how I feel about <laughs> Hamlin. But the yeah. this version of like this audible, oh my gosh. You all need to experience it. So it sounds again, incredible. Yes, you can go to that by www.audibletrial.com slash house of wind. And truly, I would like if you don't already have Audible, like I would highly recommend it. Yeah, at least do the free trial to see if you like it, because I think I started on a free trial and I'm hooked. I Mm -hmm. haven't looked back. I have like a lot of titles on my account because it's the perfect way to like read while you do things. Um, So if you have a book that you want to listen to, but you also have a book that you're reading in person or if you want to listen in between you reading in person, it's truly perfect. Mm -hmm. Also, one more announcement for everyone. Several people have asked us about this, and I finally have gotten off my lazy ass and made us a Patreon. (laughs) So I will post a link to that in our social um, by the time this episode airs. And so we're working on once a month special episode releases. And basically, we're thinking of doing like Q&As, Things like talking about maybe some spicier books that we don't really want to talk about on Spotify where everyone can hear us talking about it. Um, House of Wind after dark, if you will. Um, Sometimes putting up a paywall for that just kind of helps to filter out people who don't want to hear that anyways. Um, It also kind of offsets the cost and time that it takes to put into our podcast. We try really hard to put a lot of effort into this. Um, So that also helps. So anyways, we have a Patreon and there's going to be really fun surprises and just a fun, more personal, small community than on our Instagram that you can be a part of. So check that link out um, on Insta. All right, we're going to get into this episode. So last episode, um, Feyre started training with Cassian and we get lovely banter and developing friendship with them, which we are 
absolutely obsessed with. And Farah finally realizes the true trauma that she endured from Tamlin. We travel to the summer court with Reese, Farah, and Amran to meet Tarquin and to try to obtain half of the book. We're starting to get some tension and jealousy between Farah and Reese, resulting from the roles that they have to play in the summer court to get what they need to save Prithian from Highburn. Yeah, so chapter 34. If you remember, chapter 33 ended with Farah basically like kind of assuming Reese had taken Cressida to bed. Um, so yeah. this this chapter starts with a lot of angst towards Reese, ending the first passage with, quote, It'd just been a relief to think that for a moment he might have been as lonely as me. Oh, so sad. So then she proceeded to skip breakfast with him, lay in bed until lunch, for the sole fear that he would have have brought her, Cressida, to breakfast. And then she got dressed and was like, well, I guess I better go meet Tarquin. <laughs> Which just what a kind of morning. blows my mind. But we, we get into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so when she goes to find Tarquin, she... Finds him with Amron and Reese. And she kind of initiates this conversation and entirely ignores ignores Reese. She says, quote, I shut him out. Maybe I'd send a water dog barking after him later. Let it bite him in the ass. <laughs> I love her sass so much. <laughs> her humor is just like... God, it's gold. It's the perfect yeah. sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, but then she takes her pettiness to a whole nother level. Yes, and before is. they, before her and Tarquin part with Reese and Amran, she gives the High Lord of Summer a quote, pretty mindless smile that I had not given to anyone in a long, long time. And that honestly kind of pisses me off. <laughs> yeah. I That's stupid. <sighs> I don't like the way that they deal with their, like, again, just talk to each other. You don't, I don't like, I don't like the making other people jealous trope. Like, mm-hmm. that's just too high school for the age that we are now. It's just not fun. And right. I don't like it. Yeah. So with Reese out of the question, out of the picture for this moment, Tarquin takes Farah to the first trove of treasure, which is absolutely absurd, right? It is full of gems and valuables beyond imagination and it's only one of the troves which is mind-blowing right it's crazy how rich these high lords are it's insane and so tarquin flatters Farah, but it quickly turn like shifts into this really serious conversation and tarquin gifts her this beautiful necklace of black diamonds that he says will suit her at the night court which sounds gorgeous beautiful my engagement ring is a black diamond and <laughs> top tier honestly yeah it's beautiful <laughs> i'm obsessed I, and yes way more yeah. it's just very interesting and complex i love yeah. it and perfect for Farah. yeah yeah i agree and then so tarquin he gets to talking and he gets to speculating about the act and the face that reese kind of plasters on now, both now and under the mountain. And he thinks he like that Reese puts this face on to keep people from speculating too closely. But Tarquin knows that it's like Reese is doing this 
as a kindness to the people around him to distract and bring all of the attention and the suffering to himself to to distract from his people from others and he then Tarquin goes one step further and requests that she be the summer court's emissary to the human lands as well and at this point Farah's like okay just just stop just stop slow down Tarquin <laughs> yes and she's she basically says you know I can't tell you anything and I can't promise you anything Reese is high lord I only serve in his court and like I feel like that would be the hardest part about especially in her position not growing up around this like royalty almost of it's easy to like plant your feet on something that like when someone's being an, a jerk to you, it's easy to dig your heels in, especially when you're as witty as she is, and give those like fast comebacks to hold your ground. The part where someone offers you a kindness and is being truly nice to you and is asking you for something almost as a friend, that's where it would be hard to put up those boundaries. Yes. And also to know to truly know how kind someone is and not be able to confirm to for her to not be able to confirm like yeah Tarquin you're right but also like Tarquin's not an idiot he knows mm -hmm. I don't think mm -hmm. he really needs her to confirm but it just kind of even like as for them like kind of being friends now like if someone right. if you had to put on this act and people thought that you were really a terrible person I would be like oh no, she's actually the the absolute best. Like everyone yeah. should know this. Like I just can't imagine that'd be so hard. Yeah, so hard to keep having to play secret. like keep that act up would be, especially when she's seen all the wonderful things that Reese actually does. Yeah, Valaris. Uh, yeah. it'd be really hard to keep that place a secret. <laughs> yeah. So Tarquin continues to show her the other troves, but when he brings her to the last one, can like containing this beautiful exquisite artwork she simply states i think i've seen enough for today and so when she returns to her room reese is lounging on the bed like he owns the place and and they had a converse they have a conversation that is both it is both blunt and passive at the same time and i hate it i'm gonna preface yeah. this with the fact that i hate this conversation yeah, um, agreed. And this, like, quote unquote, talk resulted in Farah pretty much defending Tarquin and was like, look, he's a good guy. If you want the book, just fucking ask for it, man. <laughs> and Reese. Point. And Reese is like, so he buys you jewels and suddenly you're willing to, like, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but Cressida thinks her cousin is rather ambitious. And they're clearly, like, both jealous and they're both being petty about it and so reese eventually like clears the air and basically is like he says he didn't fuck her for information quote um and they just go back and forth being childish saying like you're jealous no you're jealous like disgusting you're both jealous just stop also, can we talk about the fact that Reese is like a thousand years old? Come on. Farah yeah. at least is what, like 19? 
Yeah, she's maybe young. 20. She's a baby. I probably would have had this conversation at that age, too. Like, mm-hmm. catch me five years ago, that probably would have also been me. But, like, right. th- like <laughs> Reese is a sin. Like, he's, <laughs> he's an immortal I, being. Yeah, I wonder if the mating bond, like, mm. kind of messes with that rational thought. And just everything we know about fae males in the mating bond, like, it kind of makes True. them, like, just kind of dumb. Honestly. They, yeah, they don't make rational decisions. Yeah, that's no. a really good point. That's a great yeah. point you make. So, that, that so could maybe, have a lot to do with it. Maybe that's it. But mm-hmm. so Reese admits what got under my skin is that you smiled at him. And then, oh, this breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. He admits that he's jealous of the fact that Farah said that it would be very easy to love Tarquin. Reese divulges that the summer court has always been neutral. And if she were with someone like Tarquin, she wouldn't have to fear for her or her kin's life. But with Reese, that fear will always exist. And he's jealous and envious of Tarquin for that fact alone. Which I'm glad there's finally some maturity happening here where we're we're getting to the root of like admitting how we're actually feeling about things. And that's a huge thing to like admit to someone. Mm -hmm. And she actually does a good job of like when he admits that she doesn't have any more childish responses. Mm -hmm. She realizes that that's the most vulnerable he has ever been with her. And so she slowly approaches him, fills his glass with that amber liquid and pours herself a glass as well. She clinked her glass against his and said, to the people who look at the stars and wish, Reese. And he picked up his glass, his gaze so piercing that I wondered why I had bothered blushing at all for Tarquin. He clinked their glasses to the stars who listen and the dreams that are answered. Oh, one of my favorite quotes. Uh, it's oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It. Oh my God. I feel Beautiful. like this is where things finally start. We're like, we're actually kind of getting somewhere, even though we've had this petty conversation between them. Right. But like, I'm happy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a beautiful, I wish people actually spoke like that. I don't. Right? <laughs> like if, if Ben said that to you, Amber, like <laughs> if Riley ever said something that poetic, he'll only ever say like, um, I don't know. You've never have you ever, you've never read Pride and Prejudice, have you? Mm-mm. There's a part where she tells Mr. Darcy Elizabeth Bennett tells Mr. Darcy to call her Goddess Divine, and so sometimes Riley calls me that because I bring it up like all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I <laughs> mean like, Ben calls me now. <laughs> yeah, Ben called when like it doesn't take poetry for me. He he's like taken on like calling me darling every once in a while, and I'm like I'm done. I'm I out. love that. Tailed. Oh, that's my grandparents call each other darling and dear. And I told Riley, I'm like, that's life, life goals. Like just life goals. Oh, I love love, man. I love love. All right. Chapter 35. <laughs> Reese and Amron have been keeping Tarquin busy and distracting him with meetings while Pharaoh tries to like walk around and locate the book. And <laughs> she's like a, like a metal. I just picture her like a metal. <laughs> <laughs> like beep, beep. 
Oh shit, it's the book. <laughs> oh god. Oh my gosh. My imagination needs to be harnessed. Okay, mm-hmm. writing it in. So Pharaoh's just wandering around the summer court, just like low-key. And she sees Faye working to repair the back half of the castle, which has been damaged from like Amarantha's reign. Um and she looks to the Fae and she sees hope in their eyes and she realizes that she saved them from a terrible life. And even though she had to do terrible things for that, like for that to happen, the fact that she freed them, she knows it doesn't fully justify what she did or tone for it, but it kind of helps take a little bit of that burden off, which I love that because I'm glad that she's starting to think about like why she killed those fairies and like actually processing it, but not like fully excusing it and being like, you know how some people just get numb to killing like, well, it's just what I had to do. And then it just becomes Mm -hmm. in stories. Like that's how villains, you know, develop. So I'm glad that she's kind of, she's still seeing how heavy that is, which is good. But also seeing it in a more positive light, like as positive as you can, like seeing, Mm -hmm her cause and effect in in action. Yeah. It, it's like when you, it's like with anything, right? That you sacrifice something for, whether it's your time, your money, a part of you, you know, when you see that pay off and you see the, the positive part of that, it's like, oh, okay. It was worth it. Like you can look back on your experience in a different light. Kind of like how we talk about perspective all the time on the pod. So right. I thought that was really cool that she got to experience that. She deserves that. <laughs> so Farah is on her way back to her room when she sees Amran preening like a cat and Varian watching her intently. And Farah's like knowing full well that Amran is in total control of that dynamic, which amuses her. And she wonders if Varian is like afraid or intrigued by Amran. And honestly, it's probably both. <laughs> their relationship is so it's fun to to watch those little nuggets throughout these chapters because yeah, Cameron yeah <laughs> he's like the perfect example I don't know if any of you are like rock climbers or if you've seen um or know anything about like Alex Honnold right they've done mm-hmm. he free solos which means like you you climb up stupid rocks like stupidly mm-hmm. high heights without a rope and it's just it's insane so they did a brain scan on him and his amygdala which is the part of your brain that processes fear is small right Mm -hmm. it's it's smaller than the average human which is probably why he can tolerate doing absolutely batshit crazy stuff like that you know and if Mm -hmm. if if i had to guess i would hypothesize that most adrenaline junkies also have a chronically small amygdala i put varian in that subgroup of humans that are just don't have that they don't actually have the anatomical part of their brain in full function like to tell them to run so Mm -hmm. they like get excited about scary things and that's the only way (laughs) yes and that's the only way that anyone could ever be with amran yes if you need a skydiving partner or someone to, to scale a mountain with no equipment with you, Varian is your guy. Yep. He's your <laughs> guy. Call him up. Yeah. That's a great, I love the parallel you made with Alex Honnold. <laughs> Riley is obsessed with Alex Honnold. Yeah. He's, 
He's, he's a very he's interesting really cool. man. He's a if you've not man. watched Free Solo, even if you don't like rock climb, like I don't rock climb, that documentary <clears throat> was incredible. It'll rock your world. It w- literally rock. LOL. Badoom. I love you. That's okay. horrible. I love it. Every minute of that. No. Yeah. Applause. <laughs> All right. Farah continues on past Amran and Varian in that interesting scene. And she's admiring the view when she notices a small building off the causeway that was definitely covered during high tide, but it's low tide now and it's exposed. And in this moment, Farah is thinking about like eternal summer and I just thought it was really cool how she kind of Sarah J Moss like pulls us back to the human aspect of Pharaoh where she's remembering like how she used to long for summer to be forever to avoid like bitter winters when they were poor and I just think that's such a like a masterful move on her part because it it sets Pharaoh apart from like all the other fae that we read about right that she's had to experience that and all of them live in these like temperature controlled, like whatever they want it to be lands. And the human world is not like that at all. So yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. I just, I enjoyed that just being pulled back to human Pharaoh for a minute. Cause I missed her a little bit. So this building calls to Pharaoh and it feels like home to her. And she knows this means the book is probably in there. And she knows that before they go in, they have got to be a thousand percent sure that the book is in there. They cannot fuck this up. And Farah has a plan. So that evening, they dine with Tarquin, Crusada, and Varian. And Farah's just chatting about her day in the summer court and tells them that, you know, she bought some fresh fish and the fisherman fried it up for her. And I actually really loved this part where Tarquin's like, the fisherman just fried it for you like right there and you ate it right there and she's like (laughs) yeah it was really cool and i'm like tarquin you need to get out more and like be with the people more like you literally live in like a fishing town like there's no excuse for that (laughs) right so get out meet those people please also side note here farah talks about how she wears the necklace that tarquin gave her and how Nuala and Caridwen like planned her outfit around it. And this reminds me, I just finished binging all of the Hunger Games movies. And it reminds me of Cinna and how he planned like all of Katniss's, like he used fashion oh. to make political statements when he designed her outfits. And that I just thought that was so cool. Oh my gosh. Did I ever Cinna. tell you a side note? Um so when I read the Hunger Games, mm-hmm. I I don't know if all of you remember the absolute and complete destruction of your soul in that last mm-hmm. book. Yes, I'm. I it has to. It's like a core. It's like a traumatizing experience of my childhood, and I I would never do this now. But granted, I was like an angsty teenager. I threw. I threw a book yes. across the room and it hit a wall and I it like kind of ruined the book. And I, to this day, have not watched the last movie. I refuse. Amber. I refuse. I won't. I and I I, I will sobbed. Die. 
I will die before I watch that movie. I was telling I, Riley. I will not relive that trauma. That I forgot that like everyone. It's like the YA equivalent of Game of Thrones where just like. I fucking hate it. Suzanne I love it. Collins I hate it. It's awful. Yeah. She doesn't give a fuck. She killed off like almost everyone. Like that it's is horrible. the most. Like as a teenager, like someone messaged us and was like wow, we read all these dystopian books and, like, the government is wondering why all the millennials are, like, pro, like, overturning the way things are now. I'm like, yeah, I, we are what you made us, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, have you <laughs> have you read the Divergent series? Yes. Those were also incredible. Uh, but again, but again, okay, I haven't, was it, did they turn it into a show or a movie? Movies, right? It was movies, yeah. Um, I have, again, I just, I get this thing in my mind where when a book <laughs> thoroughly ruins me, I just, I can't watch the adaptation of it. I haven't even attempted the Divergent adaptation because I was thoroughly fucked by the end of that book. Those books were also insane. Those, I will say, I'm not normally, I'm always a book over movie. Or show always mm-hmm. never ever 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 would I ever prefer the movie to the book, but they did a pretty good job. The diver- the divergent ones were pretty good compared to those. But if they destroyed you, then it would be even harder to like watch it unfold for sure. Sure, but yeah, that um, series was great. I want to like go back and reread all the books that I loved in like, yeah. middle school and high school, Hannah. And one more that I that just popped into my brain. Another book, I, I'm not um, a huge person to reread books, mm-hmm. but one book that I have reread um, multiple times, which isn't really surprising, but The Host. Yes. That book, I am book absolutely obsessed with that book. And that's another one, like, and I kind of feel this way about the Akatar Hulu series that's coming out. Um is that when I love something so much, I really don't like to watch the adaptations of it because it ruins my my picture and my imagination of these characters. Um, especially if it's not, like, perfect. Like, the Discovery of Witches, like, really missed the mark. Um, yeah, they but did. But then you think about, like, maybe it's just because we grew up with it, but, like, Harry Potter, like, the casting for all of the characters, like, yeah, their acting was... They were young and their acting they wasn't great, but, like, <laughs> but the casting itself was so perfect across the board. Yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't – like when I look at Harry Potter and the Harry Potter movies, I I don't pick one single actor and be like, I would have casted someone else. Right. And that's honestly – it's how I picture them. Like if they ever remade those, which I think they do plan at some point to do, like mm-hmm. I – don't think that I like I would just probably not enjoy it honestly yeah Harry Potter is one of the best they yeah they ruined they ruined some of the things of it like I don't like the vibe of Dumbledore and things like that but overall those are just absolute magic and those movies are I could rewatch those every day the rest of my life until the day I died and not watch anything else and be completely okay with that be happy as a clam Yes. Give me some Prisoner of Azkaban over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Okay, I just have to say one more side note story because that just made me think of one time Amber and I were driving into San Francisco. 
Oh, no. Oh, no. Is it okay if I tell the story? Yeah. We're driving into San Francisco. Oh, and we're driving across. Yeah. It wasn't the Golden Gate Bridge. I think it was like the Bay Bridge. It's the Bay Bridge. It was definitely and the Bay Bridge. You can see Alcatraz from there. And it was like, number one, it was the craziest day. There were these huge clouds in the sky. And it was like, it was like if there's a divine being in the heavens, like it was shining pure beams of light onto Alcatraz. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. So we're driving across and Amber goes, oh, look, it's, and then she pauses for a second and you could tell that she's thinking about what she's going to say. And she goes, it's Azkaban. And I immediately <laughs> start bursting out laughing. And I think you called it Azkaban like two more times during that weekend but it was it was the cutest thing i've ever seen i won't say the name of that prison because there is always a solid chance like if i'm referring to the harry potter world Mm -hmm. i'll get it right 100 percent of the time oh yeah yeah yeah. but like in real life when i'm looking at that prison like we toured the prison and i'm like oh my god i'm not even i'm never gonna say the name of this prison in my entire life because every single time i will get it wrong oh my god it was it was true i will get it wrong and And i said it like I thought about it and I was like, yeah, no, that's right. And I said it with so much confidence. So much confidence. And like that's how I could zero percent of me was judging you. I was a hundred percent loving the entire situation. It was wonderful. I could oh relive that God. moment. That's like a that's like a life moment <laughs> I'll never forget. That's a core memory for me. I have such a hard I have such a hard time with like similar words. It's all good, bro. Yeah, I get words, like, mixed up really horribly, and that was just, like, a textbook moment. I love it. It was was wonderful. Oh, man. Anyways, now that we've veered off into side note territory. Jeez. All right. We're back in Prithian now, guys, that we've talked about. Now that we've talked about Panem and I don't remember Divergent, what the world was called there. But anyways, we're back to Prithian. Good old Prith. So, Farrah and Reese haven't spoken much. They're still being super petty towards each other. But Farrah's like, it's just because we've been busy, not because we've been ignoring each other. Yeah, right. Because Farrah takes back some of the power again and then just continues to smile at Tarquin. And in, in her mental dialogue, it's like, her inner dialogue is like, I know it's making Reese jealous, so I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. After what Reese did with Cresada, I'm like, I get it. He needs a taste of his own medicine. But I don't, I don't like, like we talked about earlier, that we're treading into miscommunication here. And just, I don't, I don't like the whole making each other jealous thing. I've Mm -hmm. never, ever been that kind of a person. So I just don't identify with it in books at all. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So Farah asked to explore the little building that she saw. She asked Tarquin. And immediately, (laughs) Tarquin and Cresada just like exchange a look with each other and they're just like oh the little building eh nothing to see there just some mud some ruins and Farrah's like jackpot the yeah. book is definitely in there you dummies you just gave yeah, it away you just gave that away <laughs> in two seconds <laughs> yes and Farrah uses her powers to infiltrate Tarquin's mind and yeah this kind of gives me a little bit of ick but um I love when she is in his mind that his shields are like sea glass coral and sea that's so cool 
I love that. I just love Tarquin. I want like he would be my my Prithian husband. I know it would actually be Cassian, but like I do love Tarquin. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tarquin in his head now that Farah is in there is wondering why Farah is asking about the building and why they came to the summer court in the first place. He's like freaking out. And Farah very wisely uses the part of her that is Tarquin to like disguise herself as Tarquin's own own thoughts and convinces him that she's harmless and to take her to the mainland to distract her from the temple tomorrow. And so then Tarquin is after this happens, he's like, Oh, can I take you to the mainland tomorrow? And Reese is like, by all means, spend the day with my lady. And Pharaoh just ignores that. And again, like they're just playing all these games with each other. And Pharaoh is like both disgusted and also like kind of amazed at what she just did to Tarquin. She's probably like riding the high, like, holy shit, I just like infiltrated someone's mind, changed what they were thinking and made it out. And he had no idea, but also like, holy shit, that's my friend. And I just changed his thoughts. And yeah, it's like, it's so hard because we know that they, they like have to have this book. Like they have to get this book and they can't mess it up and they can't risk them finding out about it. I just need them all to like talk about this later. I don't, I can't remember if they do or not, but I just need them all to be friends. Okay. Cause I love Tarquin. I need to imagine them happily ever after, including him. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he takes back the blood rubies, but I don't remember. But anyways, back in their rooms, Vera is developing her plan and Reese enters and he's like, damn girl, I'm impressed with your Daimati abilities. Like you've only been doing this for a couple months and you've just pulled that off beautifully executed 10 out of 10. Perfect. And, <laughs> Farah is like, yeah, that did not feel right. And Reese tells her it never does and it shouldn't. And with Tarquin in that moment, the costs or the benefits outweighed the cost for this specific situation. And we hate it, but he is kind of right here. It doesn't make it any better, but it just kind of just like, it's like, yeah, it had to be done. Farah asks if this is how he justified going into her mind. And Reese tells her that he kept a lot unread and he always will. He'll never disturb like those parts of her mind, but that he needed to check in on her because she scared the shit out of him when she was in her deep depression in the spring court. And he tells her, I'll explain it more some other time, like the rest of it, the full story. This, can you imagine having to like, just check into someone's mind to make sure that they're like, like mentally stable and okay because you're that worried about them. Yeah. And how scary to have a direct line to someone's mind. Who's that? Who's in that dark of a place? I was going to say she was thinking some very, I mean, that was some dark shit. Like we Mm -hmm. said, that was like twilight Bella, October, November, December level of darkness. And like the fact that he also he knows that she's his mate and he's like developing not just friendship feelings towards her 
And he has to let her be in the Supreme Court. And he can't, like he says, I couldn't just waltz in there and like ask how you were doing. Like that would be utter torture. So yeah, he has a good point there too. So Amron interrupts this conversation. In true Amron fashion, she just strolls in and she's like, wow, a little building. What a dumb place to hide a book. And Reese is like, actually, it's kind of genius because it's hidden for like most of the day and they can spell it easily. It's a small structure and they can't, it's exposed for like everyone to see. You can't just like covertly go in there. It's exposed the whole coastline. You you can see it. It's not like it's in the woods or anything. So Reese tells them they can't win Owen. So they're going to do an old fashioned heist under the cover of night. And this just gives me Kaz and Inej and Jasper vibes. I also love all three of them so much. Jasper, yeah. Jasper and, and Wyland. I'm so excited. This new season has Wyland in it. And I am, again, the casting in this show, top mm-hmm. tier. Top yes. freaking tier. If you haven't seen the trailer, go watch it. Oh my God. Go watch it. Do yourself a favor. It's so good. It's I, at first I was thrown off by how they like did the timelines in it, but I'm honestly kind of enjoying it because it it just condenses it. Mm-hmm. It's it's an interesting take on it. It's different enough to where it's like I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So basically, Reese is like, I'm gonna fly you guys in and keep watch from the skies. Farah suggests that they learn the guards' watch. And Reese is like, dang, soldier, you think like an Illyrian, which is a compliment, apparently. And he vanishes and he goes to watch the guards and suggests that Amron and Farah go for a midnight walk to also do some light recon. Yep. So, so chapter 36. Farah's headspace is very conflicted because she is dreading betraying Tarquin. And she's, like, wallowing in this task that she's going to do as she meanders around town with him the next day. And she's just like, I just hope he realizes that I'm doing this for the greater good. Um, And she's really – she is doing it. She's doing it for him, for all of his people, for everyone. And they just kind of, like, aimlessly wander around. And she's trying to be like, don't look like you're about to betray him. And so she says her goodnight to Tarquin after their their kind of just like weird day of she's like physically with him, but mentally in an entirely different spot. So she says her goodnight to Tarquin and she was like really close to just begging him for forgiveness. And Reese's hand on her back is the only thing that's like steadying her until she returned to her room. And then she looked to find Illyrian fighting leathers waiting, sprawled out on her bed. And so she donned her leathers and dressed for battle once again. So, let the adventure begin. Reese flew them in at low tide. Plucked them, or like plopped them in this knee-high, smelly muck. And was like, bye! Have fun! (laughs) He has no... uh... There's no, like, warm fuzzies with him during this entire, no. like, next two chapters. <laughs> no. So Farah immediately is able to feel the book, and she says it's sleeping. 
Mm-hmm. So her and Amran, they walk into the temple and realize that they have to dig into the muck to get to the door. So they dug through Ugh. muck and critters and shells that are cutting into their hands. Which is never for people who have not spent much time on the coast. Like I was born in Nova Scotia and every summer spent my summers like on the coast of Canada. And when the tide goes way out and that muck is just like sitting there, it smells terrible. It does not smell good. And it's like, it like sucks. Like it's that like, yeah, it's just not fun. Yeah. Yeah, and they gross. found yeah they found this lead door but it's sealed so she wiped her hands clean on her neck it's the only clean spot she's like oh just wipe it on my neck and then she planted her bare hand on the door and she willed herself to transform into tarquin she had this like inner mantra i am tarquin i am summer i am warmth i am sea and sky and planted field and holy shit it worked I forgot she, that she turns into Tarquin. I totally forgot about that. And the entire time she's like, I'm not thinking about what power I'm using. Like, bitch, yeah, you are. Yes, you, you are. just turned into Own a it. high lord. It, yes. That's cool as shit. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And as the door opened, the salty breeze came through, carrying with it the scent and the tendrils of power. Causing Amrin, of all people, to pale. And she said, I never saw the cauldron, but it must be terrible indeed if even a grain of its power feels like this. And so down into the passage they went. They went downstairs into this, like, oily, freezing waters, and they found another door. This one, when she put her hand up to the door, ransacked her way, like ransacked its way through her entire existence. This like shook her to the core, but it opened. And when it opened, they saw a threshold where the water just stopped. The dry chamber beyond was empty, save for a round dais and a pedestal with a lead box atop it. And as she got close, she heard loud and clear who are you what are you come closer let me smell you let me see you and as creepy and terrifying as that is they couldn't really wait they realized the tide was coming back and they did not have enough time and they had to do this quick this chanting gets louder who are you who are you who are you to which she replies in her mind, I am Tarquin. I am High Lord. I am your master. And she grabs the book off the pedestal. Liar. And the door slammed shut. So this book is straight ass, dead ass talking to her uh-huh. and can see to her core, to her soul. Yes. Because she can transform every part of her into this High Lord to trick any sort of spell or whatever they have to prevent her from getting in, she can just turn into a high Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we learn like more and more proof later that this, the book is resistant to any manipulation by magic. So her doing that is just like, no, it's a, yeah, 
it's uh, too That's ancient right. for that. <laughs> yeah, it's yes. like, yeah, right. You're Feyre Cursebreaker, okay? Yes. I Quit see lying, you. bitch. <laughs> Don't fuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> I am the book. <laughs> I am the book. <laughs> All right, chapter 37. So, Feyre and Amran are trapped. And the chamber is beginning to fill with water. And we're having a huge oh shit moment <laughs> where Amran is trying to use her power to unlock the door. And the hall is like, they, they like get through, they unlock the door and then the hall starts filling with water. Like the whole place is just like basically a sinking ship. So the main door slides shut and seals them in. And I'm not a claustrophobic person, but this is sending me into a deep panic right now. <laughs> just imagining this. It is completely panic provoking. Oh my god! I'm like I'm like a I'm like cold sweating right now. So, Amran swims to the door and she's trying to use her power to open it, but to no avail. So, Feyre shifts into something with talons and she's like slicing and pounding at the door, also trying to use her magic to get out. And I love the distinction here that she makes, where she says she had talons, not claws because we know that she's been holding back on her shape-shifting abilities because she's afraid that she's gonna take like tamlin's form essentially Mm -hmm. which understandable why she would not want to do that Mm -hmm. so the door opens and it's not from amran or Feyre. it's the water race (laughs) (laughs) Feyre feels like she's being hurtled through the water and her and Amran are like, they get to the beach and her and Amran are just like vomiting up water. And Farah's like finally coming to enough where she's looking around and she realizes that the water wraiths saved them. And one of them just says, our sister's debt is paid. And then vanishes. The Fuck. water wraiths are so freaking cool and creepy. I love them. They, they remind me of, of um, were you going to say the people? The remains from Harry Potter <laughs> during the <laughs> Yes. Yes. Yeah. They remind me so much of that. Like, oh my god, they're scary as shit. They're not Ariel. They're like water demons. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck that. They're the things that make you scared of swimming and Uh scared of the water. Yes. When I get in the water to train for triathlons, that's what I imagine that they're like creatures. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't let myself imagine any, not a damn thing. When I'm open water swimming, I'm like. I'm just in a pool. I'm just, in, I literally, I convince myself I'm in a pool. You just like count imaginary laps in your head? <laughs> I, honestly, I, I just don't let myself think or even like look towards the bottom of the like, or like down, if that makes yeah. sense. Sometimes I close my eyes or I wear really dark yeah. goggles so I can't. Yes. It's just like. Dark. I don't know if any of you listeners have ever open water swam, but Hannah and I, we both train for triathlons and when you open water swim, like we're both really strong swimmers, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like we like to swim. It's really enjoyable. Like, but there's something entirely unique about when you're open water swimming and your mind just immediately starts thinking about all of the things that you're swimming above <laughs> and the fact that there is absolutely no bottom mm-hmm. and there's no. When a piece escape. of like. 
lake weed touches you, I like go into a full body. If Riley's ever out there with me and he's like paddling, it's so funny. Literally one time we were doing it and I was like, there's no fish, right? You don't see any fish around me. He's like, yeah, none. He literally took a picture of me swimming and there's like five fish like jumping behind me. (laughs) You liar. (laughs) But I will say when I went to Costa Rica for vacation a couple weeks ago, we went snorkeling. And that helped a lot with my fear of that, like touching the fish. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I like touching fish and swimming with them. It's actually pretty cool when I can see them. Is that the first time you've been snorkeling? I've never been snorkeling before that. I know. I did a lot of, I did a lot of firsts on this vacation. I wanted to learn to surf, but I just didn't have time. And I was also sick the last couple of days. So that would have been a disaster. But yeah. Oh yeah. my god, I can't believe that's the first time you've ever been snorkeling. It was super fun. We got to eat like a whole pineapple on the boat and snorkel in front of Manuel Antonio. It was really cool. Cool. Oh, I love mm-hmm. Manuel Antonio. Beautiful. If any listeners from Costa Rica, we're obsessed with your country. And your you people are beautiful and your country is beautiful and I want to live there forever. Yeah. Oh, okay. Second thought. Back to talking about water rates. Yes. We're very tangential tonight. We apologize. We are. Things. We've had some it's people okay. comment on the tangents, but I think most people are okay with them. So, Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. So, honestly, this part of the book where the water wraiths save them is one of my favorite parts of this book and just the series in general. That Farah's previous kindness and then defiance of Tamlin at the tithe pays off and literally saves their lives right here so cool i love that that comes full circle and that's included in part of the story absolutely because they would have died for sure absolutely <laughs> they were dead because because and, and we could talk about this later so amron and farah swim to a cove where they're going to be safe and collapse onto the sand and reese appears and is like wtf are you guys just doing laying here and amron goes off on him and tells him that the book nullified her powers and reese is like oh it's funny i didn't hear you guys like i didn't feel it through the bond and she's like you idiot it also probably nullified the bond too like no magic was working in there basically and that's why he didn't feel that they almost drowned because the guards were like freaking out they were setting off every alarm but reese probably just thought they like hit a trip wire or i don't know someone saw them or whatever he didn't know that they were like trapped in a watery tomb (laughs) oh god again makes me want to die inside okay so (laughs) they winnow back to the town home because he's like you have the book they're like yeah and then they winnow back to the town home (laughs) when they arrive immediately spraying sand and water everywhere and cassie is like what the fuck (laughs) is going on i feel like he's always like right there when they come back from like remember when farah comes back from the from the um the weaver's cottage (laughs) she's Mm -hmm. like oh my god so everyone's there um more and as are also there and they're all like please explain what the hell happened including amron and reese because amron has no idea why the water race would have saved them and neither does reese and Reese is like super cold and unfeeling in all of these exchanges. And again, it's weird. It's weird. And I don't like it. Like looking Mm -hmm. back on it now, it feels very out of character for him. Like I don't, uh, 
for all the times he's warm towards her when she's being an absolute when she's actually being a bitch towards him for no like when it's not warranted he's like ha ha let's make fun jokes and like i think that's cute but then when she's actually like she almost died i don't know if that's his way of just shutting out the fact that like his mate almost died and he didn't wasn't able to help her i don't know but still not they don't like it Mm -hmm. also imagine how chaotic that entrance was (laughs) like what amron and para must look like after being covered in muck and seaweed and like almost drowning (laughs) they must look terrible (laughs) So Farah explains that the debt owed to her by the water wraiths, that whole story. We don't need to go into it. We know it already. And Amran starts laughing and she's like, only a fairy with a human heart would do that for a water wraith. Like everyone's scared shitless by water wraiths. Like, yeah, they seem to everyone, live by no moral code. <laughs> yeah, everyone shits on them. And at this point, like, if you have enough people, like when Tamlin first was, and Tamlin and Lucian were start first started like saying that to Farah, you're like, oh my god, like seriously. And now you're like, yeah, okay, I'm starting to believe that if these water if, rapes if, are really yes. intense. If Amran is scared of something, you best believe we're all scared of it too. And if you're not, you're an idiot. <laughs> something your amygdala is the size of a pea your so, amygdala is yeah it's, it's gone. non-existent does <laughs> not exist so <laughs> she's like amron's like whatever luck you live by thank the cauldron for it because the water it's like they had no reason to come back and help you the way that they live they no. didn't they didn't would normally never do that and farah just like starts to laugh and her and Amron are just, like, laughing on the floor. You know that, like, hysteria when you're tired? Like, do you remember, like, finals week? I'm sure most of our listeners have gone through a finals week or, like... Yeah, or if you've ever been in, like, a near-death experience. Like, I almost oh. got in a really horrible car accident mm-hmm. once. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, like, a blizzard in Minnesota and the person I was driving with, like, literally almost drove over a cliff. Like, we were, like, three inches from driving over a cliff um and she like swerved and then we went into the ditch on the complete other side of the highway and we just sat there in the ditch and we were like laughing hysterically like crying like tears down our face laughing Mm -hmm. hysterically like yeah and i can tell you for sure that is adrenaline because riley has a trina allergy and you know this but they don't know this Mm -hmm. and one time when we were dating, he ate something that had a nut in it or it was like was around nuts and he went to anaphylactic shock and he had to stab himself with an EpiPen, which is quite literally adrenaline. That's what adrenaline is, epinephrine. And I he immediately was like maniacally laughing with tears streaming <laughs> down his face, couldn't control it. And I was like, what the fuck is happening to my boyfriend? Like... I oh killed him. God. Like, this is it. Like, I'm finally in a happy relationship, and this is just how it's going to go. But it was, oh it, it surprised me until like four weeks later, we had a class on the science behind that. And I was like, oh, okay, this makes complete sense. <laughs> Why? Tricks. Yeah, because it's like your body just can't handle our bodies have to process like what we go through. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, she just like can't, <laughs> her brain's just like, already has enough to deal with so she i feel like that's just like the first emotion you go to is just like 
you're just losing your mind. And even Amron is laughing. They're just They're like... Both. They both oh. almost just died. Like, Amron's like 10,000 years old, you guys. She's probably come near death a bunch of times, but, like, that was, like, probably maybe the closest she's ever come. I don't know. That was, that was a crazy yeah. experience. But I just yeah. love that Farah's, like, even though this is, like, probably me just being hysterical right now and I'm tired and I almost died, I'm, it's a real laugh. Like, I'm actually laughing. And, yeah. I love Aww. that. Oh, so sweet. So Amran cleans them with a snap of her fingers. And I love the note about just the tenderness in her eyes towards Farah. Like we know that Amran is like stone cold and she's really hard exterior. But I do think she has a little bit of gooiness on the inside mm-hmm. for the people that she cares about. And so I liked that little moment where they're starting to build kind of a friendship too. And we get more proof, like I said, of the book being warded against magic because the book is still wet. That box is still wet, but everything on Feyre is dry. So Amran's magic didn't work on it. So Reese and Feyre open the book. Or Reese asks Feyre to open the book. And the book speaks to Feyre. And it calls her a liar again. And mm-hmm. she asks it to open. And the book says, quote... Like calls to like, unmade and made, made and unmade. That is the cycle. Like calls to like. And the book then calls Farah a curse breaker. Mm. And then it finally opens. Crazy. I love it. <laughs> oh, and then Farah describes the book as being formed out of metal plates Bound with three rings of gold, silver, and bronze. Very interesting book. It's more like a um, like a tablet, almost. And Amran immediately pales when she sees it. And she tells them that the book is written in Lashan Hakadesh, the holy tongue. And it was written by beings who vanished from this world. So this is where I'm going to take you guys into a deep dive. We've touched on this a little bit, but I went into kind of a deep rabbit hole with this theory because, and this is not going to be from a, like a super theological standpoint, but growing up the way I did, like I read the Bible. So a lot of this was like ding, 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 like very cool connections that I was able to kind of make in my head. Um, So there's a, shit ton of biblical references in this chapter and i mentioned something that happens in the next chapter too anyone who's reading this it's not really a spoiler and also i hope that you've read all these books if you're listening to this podcast anyways so amran in the previous chapter parts water in the like when they're trying to get out and she's in like pharaoh's like carrying her and she's parting the water in front of them biblical reference there um and the book of breathings is written in lashan hakadesh which sounds a lot like hebrew and sjm has confirmed that it's like pulled from like jewish and hebrew like uh, language hebrew and we talked in previous episodes about how amran could be a fallen angel 
And in the next chapter, Amran mentions that she likes lamb and goat blood the best. Quote, reminds me of another time and place. And in those times, uh, people used to use like lambs and goats to like for sacrifices to their gods um, Mm -hmm. and to God in general. Anytime they made like um, like an oath or a covenant like with him. So Reese also, it's insinuated that he seems to know where Amran is from and that he picks her specifically for this task. And we learn that this book was written by mighty beings who feared the power of the cauldron, uh, which says a lot about the cauldron. (laughs) And SJM has definitely pulled from mythology in other books and this book. One of our readers wrote in that the Morgan is from Celtic mythology and some of the gods in Throne of Glass are inspired by Roman mythology like Mala and I think several others are too. So I definitely think that she could be, SJM could be like tying in like other ideas of like gods or like the Christian God uh, that we're a little bit more familiar with here as, as things in her book, which I find really fascinating, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, like, when you kind of see it from that perspective, it's just, like, kind of blatantly obvious, the ties that she has. But then when you're reading it and you're so sucked in the world. I didn't see like, it the first time around. <laughs> you don't even think about it. I don't know. I just found that very interesting and i like the idea of her using more ancient things to kind of buffer the story of amran it makes her very mystical and um i don't know i just think it's really really cool yeah amran scares the shit out of me (laughs) she's so cool (laughs) amran is so freaking cool i hope she also gets her own book i hope there's like 20 akatar books one for each character that we love tarquin better get a book too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to read a Tamlin Redemption arc. I take that back. I want a book about Tarquin. <laughs> done. Sold. Done and done. Make it happen, SJM. Okay, mm-hmm. so out of my deep rabbit hole. Sorry if you guys found that boring, but I just like it was like all the things I read in childhood just paid off there. So it was really cool yeah. to see that. <laughs> um so Reese orchestrated this whole thing, banking on the fact that Amran could read that text. And it might not just save Prithian, but also Amran too, because this book is so ancient and it's essentially kind of from like Amran's people, it seems like, that Reese is thinking it might contain a spell that could send her back home where she's originally from since these ancient beings wrote the book. Again, further confirming our suspicions about Amran. She's she's from some realm that's not anything like Prithian. Mm-hmm. And... Reese reminds me a lot of Aelin with his like secret plots <gasps> and plans, right? Yeah, I had that exact same thought in this <laughs> chapter specifically. I'm like, mm-hmm. SJM, you are just creating these people who are just sneaky. They're sneaky. Okay, I need you. I need you to take your headphones off, and then I'll signal you. Okay. I have to talk to the listeners about something. Okay. Hi, listeners. I forgot to put in a disclaimer here. Um, This section is not spoiler-free. If you have not finished Kingdom of Ash, please do not listen to this segment. Flip forward about 30 to 60 seconds. Okay, listeners. Hannah here. It's just us. Amber hasn't finished uh, Throne of Glass, but I think it's chapter... 
82 where um that was not 82 but it's before then where uh Aelin is falling through all of the realms and she falls through the uh realm where she sees snow-capped mountains and star um starry skies and there's a winged male and a pregnant female and the winged male sends out a star-flecked wind to slow her down that was the craziest moment I haven't been able to talk to Amber about it yet, but I recorded a live reaction of me reading that. You guys, I'm like mind blown by this and I love the ties into that. So I love that also recent Aelin seem very similar. And if there is a crossover, I want them to meet badly because I feel like they would be besties. Okay. Don't message us about this because Amber has not finished it yet. We'll post about it once Amber has finished the books. Okay. I'm going to signal her on now. (laughs) <laughs> all right you're you're good now <laughs> was that about something crazy that happens in the book it's a kingdom it's, of ash yes. i told them not to message us about it until we post about it because i recorded a live reaction to this thing that happens and i cannot wait to talk to you about it like once you read it you'll know and you have to text me or call me because it's insane it's absolutely okay. insane and also, okay. sorry, listeners, I don't know what is happening in my house right now, but like everything is unfolding. Oh, Riley's feeding Rubius. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's fine. Background noise is fine. Okay, so, anyways, listeners, I can't wait till we get to talk about that part of Throne of Glass or uh, Kingdom of Ash. Oh my God. Okay, so where were we? Oh, okay. Reese is like Aelin. Love it. And also, Amber, as you keep finishing this book, Aelin does more of her whole, like, of a plan, but, like, no one knows about it. So Ugh. it's fantastic. Um, so Amran thanks Reese, uh, and she tells him that she needs the other half of the book in order to begin translating it. So there's, remember, two halves of the book. We have to get the other half from the Mortal Queens. And I can't believe that Amran has spent 10,000 years away from her, like, people. Like, Amran is old. And also, can you imagine how lonely that would be? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. So, Asriel reminds them that even with the book, they still have to deal with Jurian. <laughs> oh, Jurian. <laughs> and he says, it doesn't really make sense to resurrect Jurian. And, like, how does Hybern even keep Jurian loyal to him after everything that's gone down? And Reese is like, Actually, it kind of makes sense because Jurian thinks that Miriam is dead. We know that Miriam is not dead and she is with Draken. But Jurian thinks that she died, which is why they're in hiding in the first place. And that if Highburn can resurrect the dead, he can bring back Miriam. And Jurian could get revenge on Draken for winning Miriam over in the first place. So there's actually a lot that Highburn has to offer Jurian. Um, even though none of it's valid. Right. So <laughs> Amran fills the inner circle in on everything that happened in the summer court. And Farah, while this is all happening, is exhausted and she makes eye contact with Reese. And she lowers her shields and says down the bond to Reese, quote, to the dreams that are answered. And he responds to the huntress who huntresses who remember to reach back for those less fortunate and water wraiths who swim very very fast (laughs) (laughs) oh i love it i love it 
That's just good Man. stuff. Good stuff. It good is. Stuff. So with all of those chapters, we've already talked about it a lot, but I think our two big ideas are one miscommunication, right? We're seeing our first like true and it's it's almost intentional miscommunication. Like they're both being so passive and petty that it's it's like that mixed with miscommunication. It's just I guess maybe a more appropriate term would be just like emotional immaturity. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> and it's just, I, it's not fun. No. And I think another really big idea is betrayal. And yep. that betrayal isn't always necessarily a bad thing. I don't know if I, you know, it's, it's hard to say it like that, but, you know, she has to betray Tarquin for the greater good because she can't risk doing it the right way, the quote unquote right way, because if he says no, then suddenly, you know, his defenses are going to be up tenfold around the book. He's going to move it. You'll have to go basically to war to get the book. So the the safe option is to betray a friend in hopes that in the long term, he'll forgive you because you're using it for the greater good. Yeah, this is like the very definition of it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. And I just, I think that also, like, we're in this, these big fantasy worlds, right? Regardless Mm -hmm. of what universe we're in. And it feels like it's not human, but then we get down to the, the true nitty gritty stuff. And regardless of, what their race is, if they're fae, if they're a god, regardless, there is always a human element mm-hmm. to these core things that are happening that is just inherently difficult. It's never an easy choice. Which is why, I mean, I mean, that's any good author will do that because that's how, you know, why would you read something that you don't relate to on any level at all? Like mm-hmm. there's got to be some level of humanity to it. Right. And it's like, even in these worlds where you think about these fantasy characters, like they have magic, they have dragons, they have unending riches and everyone's stunningly beautiful, but there's still all of these problems. And it's like, yeah, that would probably actually be the case. Like, mm-hmm. like you see super wealthy, beautiful, seemingly magical people in our world who also have the same problems as the rest of us like normal people so it's just like it's cool to see it in a book with characters that you love where you can be like oh yeah i've had to do that before too or i've had to to keep something from a friend for a little bit until it was okay for them to know about it or you know Mm -hmm. like things like that where it's like you you've been there at some point probably not to the level of stealing something from someone right but you know (laughs) yeah it's the same general idea on a much smaller scale in our everyday life but yeah it's just interesting how it all plays out yeah it's cool i love this book and Ruby loves water, as you can hear behind us. So, it's <laughs> like slurping it down. Uh, he oh, was so Ruby. good for the first hour. He's like, I got to move, guys. Okay, so 
on that note, since Rubius is signaling for us to be done mm-hmm. next week, you guys need to make sure that you read chapters 38 through 41 to be prepared for the next episode. Make sure that you check out our Patreon page to see if that's something you'd be interested in as well. Um, we really appreciate every single one of you choosing to be a part of our book club. We know that you're here by choice and we seriously value every single one of you so much and appreciate your support. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify or Apple podcast. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at house of wind pod. Also email us your theories or burning questions for the next few chapters. You can email us at house of wind podcast at gmail.com. So it can all be found in the show notes. We'll talk to you all next week. Stay smutty.